the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. And I'm very much uh, glad to be with you on this Monday edition of Lifeline as well. Glad to have you in the house on this gorgeous Monday evening, April 12th, 2021. The weather is fantastic. Um, us who are heirs of the Bay Area um, have all the vitamin D we need to um, keep ourselves uh, immune from all viruses, uh, foreign and domestic, if you will, to break down our immune system and uh, bring us into the clutches of disease and illness. And uh, one way to make sure that we uh, do that is to keep our minds stayed on the word of God. It is health to your navel and marrow to your bone. So is the counsel of God. So is the word of God. It really is help to us to be able to think biblically and to be able to think God's thoughts after him. So I do want to welcome you to our Monday edition of Lifeline, your host, Jesse Gistan. For the next two hours, by God's providence, we are here and the time is 5.05 p.m. So if you want to jump on the lines with questions or comments, something may have occurred over the last couple of days since we talked, seven days to be exact, that uh, you might think is worthy of uh, uh, of our, our conversation. Give me a call. one 367 5329 one is the number to reach yours truly. We are back in the book of the apocalypse. We are working through the 19th chapter in our series at Grace over this 2021 COVID year uh, experience. And we said that we would work all the way through the book. And we've come to that very exciting but very rough terrain that uh, is laid out for us in the vision of Revelation chapter 19 after the celebration of the destruction of the Babylonian system. Again, a topic worthy of development, quite frankly, is historical origins, 587 BC, its first prophetic fulfillment, AD 70, and its cyclical manifestation throughout our world system, well, up until the present hour, there is no doubt a kind of Babylonian uh, model of governance wherein Nebuchadnezzar sought to have erected a statue some 90 feet high and have all of the dignitaries around the world under his subjugation to bow down before this idol. This idol became for us in the book of Daniel chapter two and three a foreshadow of the universal globalist agenda, the one world global agenda, which is, you know, basically an unavoidable attempt on the part of humanity 
to get rid of the true and the living God and to operate fundamentally on a humanist socialist agenda that basically eradicates everything that comports with a biblical worldview and certainly puts an end to the gospel and the rule of Christ in it. And uh, Vody Bauckham's exhortation to you just a while ago in the commercial, his book called Fault Line is really a book worth uh, purchasing because what Vody does in his gift of apologetics is really puts his hand on the pulse of a lot of the difficulties going on both in the world as well as in the church. Of course, we'll talk about some of that today as I have a very exciting article I want to read by one Dr. McCullough about how all of this could have been avoided, how all of the deaths that are being attributed to COVID-19 could have been avoided had our medical industry not collapsed up under the governmental pressure of seeking a vaccine as uh, in, in, uh, in lieu of what has generally and historically been the way in which we deal with, with uh, illnesses and diseases. And that is early treatment methods that will easily staved off this vaccine until we reached a level of natural herd immunity. That would have made this a non-issue. We wouldn't have been uh, having to shut our schools down, shut our businesses down, losing most of our health Uh, Most of our economics, most of our uh, relational normalcy that we've had over the last couple of years, everything is being turned upside down in and out because of of a methodology of approaching COVID that I hope will continue on up into the highest courts of not only this land, but the world, because Dr. McCullough has rendered on April 8th. 2021, just a few days ago, a massive and eloquent argument for what he considers some kind of agenda being implemented, usurping the normal medical protocol whenever you have a client, whenever you have a customer, whenever you have a patient who calls in with some symptoms of a sickness, what have you, you don't just tell them to wait there for two weeks. And then after two weeks, if you are sick enough to be brought to the hospital, then to come. No, you render to them early uh, medical treatment, early methodology of of uh, pre-sickness treatment in order to stave off the problem. And when I read the article to you, and you are certainly uh, welcome to uh, read it yourself, uh, as it's an article actually written uh, by, um, I think this is, uh, I forget where the... Uh, where what kind of paper it is. I'll try to find it during the break so that you guys can actually follow up on it for yourself. No, it's in the it's in the it's in called Life Site News. Life Site News has produced an extensive COVID-19 vaccine resource page. View it here. So no, it's Life Site News. And this is April 8th, 2020, where where uh, Dr. McCullough lays out an argument as to what really should have been done versus what is being done. And his argument really, you know, comports with and holds up a lot of the things that I have been saying to you is a real problem in our country. And that is us being sold out to big pharma in such a ridiculous, absurd way that we are all walking around with masks, engaging in uh, pseudoscientific 
uh, experiments that no one can affirm because we're simply being told by what one man has said. And again, when I read what Dr. McCullough has stated, you're going to get the point. And I'm going to read it here shortly before our break. But I so appreciate him standing before the Senate and the Congress and making his uh, his argument. Eminent doctor media-centered COVID-19 early treatment options that could have reduced fatalities by 85%. Listen to his proposition. Media-censored COVID-19 early treatment options that could have reduced fatalities by 85%. Dr. Peter McCullough also explained that given an 80% level of herd immunity that had already developed in Texas, broad vaccination has no scientific, clinical, or safety rationale. Now, he's going to build his argument here shortly around it. And if you were to go to lifestyle, uh, lifestylenews.com, you could actually hear his argument online. Better heard than read, particularly if reading is not something that you like doing. But as soon as you hear what he says, it's going to make all the sense in the world. Now, while I have about two or three minutes, you are welcome to call whatever your topics are, whatever your your uh, issues are that you want to address with yours truly for the next two hours. We can. But here's what is stated. Austin, Texas, April 12th, April 8th, rather, 2021 in LifeSite News, an exceedingly well-qualified physician who was censored by YouTube last year, addressed the Texas State Senate Health and Human Service Committee last month, providing thorough information on successful treatments of COVID-19. The present high level of herd immunity for the disease, the very limited potential of vaccines, listen to that, limited potential of vaccines, and the data that shows early treatment could have saved up to 85% of the over 500,000 deaths in the United States. Dr. Peter McCullough, MD, is an internist and cardiologist, along with being a professor of medicine at Texas A&M University Health Science Center. He is distinguished as the most published person in history in his field and an editor of two major medical journals. McCullough explained that from the beginning of the pandemic, he refused to let his patients languish at home with no treatment and then be hospitalized only when it was too late, which was the typical treatment protocol being discussed, promoted and offered across the state. He thus put together a team of doctors to study appropriately prescribed off-label use of conventional medicines to treat the illness, and they published their findings in the American Journal of Medicine. I'm going to pull that up just for my notes to once again reaffirm what I felt was a real problem from the beginning, and that is the need to emphasize early treatment methods rather than the idea of waiting on a vaccine. The interesting thing was that while there were 50,000 papers in the peer-reviewed literature on COVID, not a single one told the doctor how to treat it. He said, when does that happen? I was absolutely stunned, he says. And when this paper was published, it became the most cited paper in basically all of medicine 
at that time in the world. And with the help of his daughter, Dr. McCullough recorded a YouTube video incorporating four slides from the peer review paper published in one of the best medical journals in the world discussing early treatments for COVID-19. The video quickly went absolutely viral. And within a few weeks, YouTube said you violated the terms of community. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a socialist terminology. You violated the terms of community and they pulled it. Due to the near total block of any information of treatment to patients, Senator Bob Johnson Johnson hosted a November hearing on this important topic where McCullough was lead witness. I remember watching that, you guys. It was great. You will never see it on public media. With such an aggressive suppression of the information on early treatments, with such an aggressive suppression of information on early treatment and the default policy of COVID-19 testing centers to not offer any such resources to those who tested positive for the infection, McCullough said, No wonder we have had 45,000 deaths in Texas. Listen to this. The average person in Texas thought that there was no treatment. They got that from the media. They got it from the administration. They got it from Big Pharma and they got that from Fauci. They did not get that from the collective wisdom of all of our medical professionals in America and around the world. And this is why we're dealing with something that needs to be investigated and understood for what it is before we collapse into the next level of absolute tyranny and control in America in the name of a virus. All right, this is the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Gistin. When I come back, I'll read the rest of the article and then I'll take your phone calls. On this Monday edition of Lifeline, we will. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back. The time is 521 on this Monday edition of Lifeline. You have a very happy person sitting behind the mic. I have just overcome uh, a hip operation, had to have my hip replaced last Wednesday. Um, and it, it was a non-eventful hip replacement, had to do it after 30 years of having injured myself through sports and martial arts and several other activities. The pain was just too unbearable. And we've got great doctors here at Sutter Health. My ortho was excellent. And now I am in painful rehab. They told me I have to go through a couple years, a couple weeks of hell. And then uh, things will begin to be better And hopefully I'll have an upswing come towards the summer where I can get back to walking and exercising and things of that nature. So you're listening to a happy man and probably also because of some of the dope that's in my system. I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I'm talking to you about what I consider one of the bravest American doctors in our country at this time. And why I call him brave is because what I have been watching occur to uh, to us as Americans over the last year, particularly doing this COVID thing, is fear. Fear, which is not American, dominating our uh, our uh, society, dominating our conversation, dominating our uh, media, dominating our interaction among one another. And when I watched Dr. McCullough speak to the panel at the uh, at the uh, Texas hearing here, the Texas medical hearing here a couple weeks ago. It actually happened about a month ago, but the article was put in the paper last month. When I watch him read with the kind of boldness and clarity and decisiveness that he renders about what happened, you know what it tells me? I'm going to repeat this until you no longer hear me on the air. What it tells me is that we are in a war 
in our country is being taken over by people who have the power of shaping uh, what we hear in the media. And because they do, they can manipulate what you hear to the point where it leaves you uninformed and therefore subject to error and falsehood. So I'm going to continue reading this article. We'll take a break and then we'll come back with your phone calls on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Like, for instance, what he says was um, he explained that from the beginning, the pandemic, he refused to let his patients languish at home with no treatment and then be hospitalized when it was too late which was the typical treatment protocol being discussed, promoted, and offered around the country. He thus put together a team of doctors to study appropriately prescribed off-label use of conventional medicines. You kind of know some of them, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and a few others, and they worked marvelously. Why stop that protocol? Let me go on. He says to treat the illness and they published their findings in the American Journal. And he says here, with the help of his daughter, uh, Dr. McCullough was able to record a video of, uh, of, of what he did. And it went viral. And in a couple of weeks, here is the suppression. They shut him down due to uh, him not conforming to the language of the so-called community. If that's not fascist, totalitarian, Marxist, Maoist, Uh, control over our media. I don't know what is, ladies and gentlemen. Now watch these very important questions that are raised. Due to the near total block on any information of treatment to patients, Senator Bob Johnson hosted, and I love Bob Johnson because he's the only senator that really started pressing into these matters. Senator Bob Johnson hosted a November hearing on this important topic where McCullough was the lead witness along with dozens and dozens of other doctors. With such an aggressive suppression of information, early treatment, and the defaulty policy, default policy of COVID-19 testing, centers not to offer any such resources to those who tested positive for the infection. McCullough said, no wonder we have had 45,000 deaths in Texas. The average person in Texas thinks that there is no treatment. Is that the way you think? Secondly, And the blackout of such vital information goes well beyond the blatant censorship of big tech companies, McCullough said. What has gone on has been beyond belief. How many of you have turned on a local news station or a national cable news station, watch this now, and ever gotten an update on treatments at home? The answer is none. Now watch this. How many of you have ever gotten a single word about what to do when you get handed the diagnosis of COVID-19? Here's the answer. None. This is a complete and total failure at every level. Then he raises these questions. Let's take the White House. How come we didn't have a panel of doctors assigned to put all their efforts to stop these hospitalizations? That's a great question. Here's another one. Why don't we have doctors who actually treat patients get together in a group And every week, give us updates. That's a great question. Here it is. And why don't we have any reports about how many patients were treated and spared hospitalization? See? How come we don't have reports of how many people were treated and healed and spared hospitalization? Because this was all a propaganda agenda. This is completely and totally a travesty to have fatal diseases and not treated, he says. So what can be done right here and right now? McCullough proposed to the legislators. How about tomorrow? 
Let's have a law that says there's not a single test result given out without a treatment guide and without a hotline of how to get into research. Let's put a staffer on this and find out all the research available in Texas. And let's not have a single person go home with a test result with their fatal diagnosis sitting at home going into two weeks of despair before they succumb to hospitalization and death. It's unimaginable in America that we can have such a complete and total blind spot. He was really getting at our senators. Now, listen, in reference to early treatments that have been widely used outside of the West with great success with around 1% to 10% of the death rates of the first world, McCullough turned his attention to broad media suppression of information, once again asking, when was the last time you turned on the news and ever got a window to the outside world? When did you ever get an update about how the rest of the world is handling COVID? He said, never. What's happening in this pandemic is the world has closed in on us in here in America. And that's due to the media. That's my point. There's only one doctor whose face is on TV now. One, not a panel, Dr. McCulloch says. Now, do you guys know who that doctor is? What's his name? Fauci. And guess what? He doesn't treat sicknesses. He doesn't deal with illnesses. He doesn't deal with people's diseases. What does Fauci do? He makes vaccines. What a convenience. As doctors, we always work in, work in groups, says McCullough. We always have different opinions. There's not a single media doctor on TV who's ever treated a COVID patient. Not a single one. There's not a single person in the White House task force who has ever treated a patient, he said. Why don't we do something bold? Here's what he says. Why don't we put together a panel of doctors that have actually treated outpatients of COVID-19 and get them together for a meeting? And why don't we exchange ideas? And why don't we say how we can finish this pandemic strongly? Isn't it amazing, he says. Think about this. Think about the complete and total blind spots regarding home treatments, he said. Herd immunity and vaccine is what he speaks about next. The calculations in Texas herd immunity right now with no vaccines is 80%. Listen to what he just said. The calculation of Texas herd immunity right now with no vaccine is 80%, McCullough said. And more people are developing COVID today and they're going to become immune as well. This is my final point before we go to break. People who develop COVID have complete and, de- and, and durable immunity. And that's a very important principle, complete and durable. You can't beat natural immunity. You can't vaccinate on top of it and make it better. There is no scientific, clinical or safety rationale for ever vaccinating a COVID recovered patient. There's no rationale for ever testing a COVID recovered patient. He continued, my wife and I have had COVID. Why do we go through the testing outside? There's absolutely no rationale for such testing. I'm going to stop right there and let you think about it because you should know the science too. You should know these arguments. You should know whether or not you're being led like a guinea pig into a process and experimentation that's more about control than it is about healing. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. I know all the lines are full. I'm going to clear those lines in a moment, but I needed you to hear this article. My name is Jesse Gistin. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. 
All right, we are back. Let's go to line number two and talk with Ross in Lexington. Ross in Lexington, are you there? I am. Thanks, Jesse. How are, Pastor Jesse. How are you, good my friend? Coffee. I'm good, sir. And you? I'm great. What's your thoughts today? Good. Well, I had a, uh, a little off topic what you were talking about, but I was hoping sure. that maybe you could help me. Uh, I've got a African-American buddy who I've known for 30 years, and we talk a couple times a week, and um, probably over the last year and a half, I've felt some tension from him that I haven't felt in our relationship. Uh, and a lot of it stems from the church he's going to. He says, you know, there's just one other African-American uh, couple there, I guess, and he uh, has, has really desired to see some diversity in his church, and he's talked to his pastor about it, and the pastor has actually addressed it and brought in or consulted with somebody, and 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 I guess uh, my question to you is: Is at what point uh, in trying to dialogue with him? Because I don't feel like you know I don't see things through his eyes, so I try to be sensitive to that. But at the same time, elevating a d- diverse church versus you know a solid church, just trying you know and and kind of maybe how to to talk to him about that or advise him, or if, if that's even possible. Well, first of all, Ross, uh, there is nothing that we can do to substitute a gospel church. So if if we're looking for anything uh, outside of a gospel church, we're on our way to hell. That's the first one. It doesn't doesn't matter what our ethnicity is. Uh, If we are saying, I want uh, a black church, then we have failed to comprehend the transcendent nature of of what it means to be a new creature in Christ. That's one. You know that? He should know it, particularly if he's been taught sound doctrine, if he's been rooted in the doctrines of grace and he's clear on the centrality and supremacy of Christ, Ross, then then he's struggling in some other area. And I would love to talk to him personally because there is no substitute for the gospel. It doesn't matter what we're dealing with, what struggles we have, what weaknesses in our local church there is, you cannot replace the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus as uh, the central reason and primary reason for which we exist as a local church. Once you do that, you have collapsed into communism. And communism yes. is at the foundation of a, a bunch of this crap that's going on around critical race theory uh, mm-hmm. uh, and social justice and and diversity, inclusion, equity, which are the acronyms for DIE, D-I-E, diversity, inclusion, mm-hmm. equity, which is a demonic agenda that's rooted in dividing the church and has been working marvelously over the last several years, as you probably know, Ross, in terms of yeah. getting white folks and black folks to um, completely disavow the fundamental meaning of what it means to be Uh, be regenerated by the grace of God, be brought up out of our sinful state by our union with Christ and forgiven of our sins and therefore made to be one in Christ. This socialist agenda that's dominating so many churches here in California is rampant everywhere. It's just absolutely a mess. But I've been preaching against it for decades anyway, so it's not new for me. But what I'm what I'm so sad about is when black people elevate their ethnicity over the gospel. Now, your friend would probably say, Pastor Jesse, I'm not doing that. But I would ask him if every time you have a conversation with whether it's a black person or a white person, uh, you are always bringing up diversity. I guarantee you, you are elevating that what I call synthetic false 
pseudo unity in the name of diversity um, as a substitute for the power of the grace of God to work in us a unity that can only be done by Christ. You are bringing up really a premise for division, a premise for separation, a premise for destroying the uniqueness of the local church. Now, I'm going to say this also because you are raising a very good question, Ross. I'm going to say it, and you know it's true, um, notwithstanding. So I'm going to say it. Sure, our churches have collapsed in the area of race relations over the many decades and years uh, of being a nation. There's no doubt about it. We have not been as uh, uh, vigilant, as thorough, and as uh, as magnanimous as we should have been as people who are objects of grace in bringing about a kind of unity among our brothers and sisters of different ethnic groups. I totally get that. Almost impossible in the South, just because of yeah. the, the fault lines drawn and because of culture and everything else, it's almost impossible. But even here in California, I'll be honest with you, the hypocrisy is glaring even with black churches and white churches and Asian churches and Japanese churches. And if you know anything about grace for us at Hayward, <clears throat> we've been defying that that um, that model for decades uh, because we have the cultural diversity to do it. But we don't do it for diversity's sake. We are not trying to have numbers in our church to meet the the diversity, inclusion, equity uh, quota. We're not trying to have on our leadership board black men, white men, Asian men, or females, or homosexuals, or trans because we right. don't operate off of the world system. We just don't operate off their system. That being the case, when you come into a gospel church, you're going to meet an imperfect people mm-hmm. who worship a perfect God predicated upon a perfect gospel that's leading us to the perfection that we already have in Jesus Christ. And if that's not good enough for you, Grace Bible Church is not the place to be. I don't care if you're black, white, or other. I've made it explicitly clear that Grace Bible Church will never be, as long as I'm pastoring, a black church that would bring the glory of the one true God in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, down to a man-made system that's nothing but the consequences, again, of the inroads of socialism, the inroads of Marxism, neo-Marxism, the inroads of a chaos and confusion that will ultimately destroy the church and our nation as well. I'm going to give you the last word on that. Amen. I, I can't add anything to that. I appreciate your thoughts, and I would love for him to be able to to be able to to talk to you. Um, and and I'll just like I said, I, I can't add anything else to that. I appreciate it. And uh, I, listen, I man, really appreciate. It. <laughs> yeah, listen, and don't and don't and and brother Ross, please. I mean, you know, don't let don't any don't let anyone take your crown. I mean, no, we've had I mean, to deal with it under Gnosticism. We've had to deal right. with it under legalism. We've had to deal with it under antinomianism, neo-Judaism. When you're a believer in Christ, you let no man take your crown. Your freedom in Christ Jesus is predicated upon the perfections of Christ's forgiveness of sins for you. And nobody can place a sin on you that Christ has already put away that would make them greater than the Savior. And really all that would make them is a devil. And that's what we're dealing with in this time. So our dear brother really needs to ask the question, is the gospel sufficient enough for him to engage the process of loving his non-black brothers 
and having that love reciprocated as I do with a lot of my brothers. And, and, and you're, you're in Lexington, Kentucky, right? Yes, sir. All right. So, you know, I, I've been there, I, Louisville, yes, Lexington. I know the brethren there. I, I know our weaknesses. I know our faults. But I also know we have a great savior and we can we yeah. cannot succumb to what's going on in our culture uh, 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 at the expense of the gospel. In fact, the gospel is going to be the only thing that solves this problem if we can ever weather this storm. And when men and women come to realize that what we have in common is sin and that the answer to sin is a savior and that the savior yeah. has already given us a gospel that's able to build us up and to uh, give us an inheritance being sanctified in him then we'll be able to work our way through this. But as long as we're pointing fingers, we have failed to give glory to the one true and living God and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. So uh, be prayerful for your brother. And again, you have you can get a hold of me at my office number. You can email me, whatever. Let that brother know he can call me. We can talk because it's just wrong. It's wrong what's going on in our churches must never seed the gospel. Never seed the gospel. We will acknowledge our weakness. We will never seed the gospel. Bless you, my brother. Yeah, I, well, you too, bro, Brother Jesse, and I just thank you for your, uh, you know, your words. There. I think it would have a little more weight coming from you rather than from me, and then I just wanted to thank you too for that. I think it's a series entitled The Revelation of Joseph. That was that was fantastic, so I just wanted to thank you for that. So. Thank, thank you, and uh, and, yes, and say hello to any of the brethren out there that I know and love. It's yes, been sir. a long time, but I, I hope that one day when all of this mess clears up, we can get back to preaching in each other's pulpits and and, and serve God like we ought to. Uh, and yeah, yeah let your friend know he can let him know he can call me, okay. email me anytime. Thanks a lot, Pastor. All right, all right bless you. Got to take a hard break, you guys. Um, when I come back, one line open, one 367 Listen, our unity is in Christ. Our identity is in Christ. It's not in the pigment of our skin. Of one blood did God make all nations of men, and of one Savior will he bring us together in unity again. Everything else is false. One line open, one 367 one 367 Don't buy the lie. I'll be right back. 